Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. I'm Rebecca Plum, your big sister. And I'm Sean Serha, your GBF. We're not that hot or that young. But we believe it's a state of mind that helps us build adaptable and profitable businesses. We rely on the support of our design besties to get through each day. So let's explore the emotional, practical, and humorous sides of being interior designers. Welcome to the club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? We're back. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) We're here physically. Mentally, it's the full summer meltdown. I feel like, I mean, this is like behind the scenes, but I feel like we haven't had a you and a Sean and Rebecca recording in a while. So I guess that's why I said that. We do have some amazing guest episodes coming up and some of them might have already come out by the time you hear this, but we've been really spending a lot of time getting quality guests, doing our song and dance to get some of the best of the best out there for our hotties. So I feel like we've been behind the scenes working hard to make sure that we are balancing out the podcast so that we are taking care of our own mental and business needs, but providing good content for the hotties. And there's a few things we've put into place. And I think number one, supporting our sponsors is super helpful. Yes. So click on the. We really can't do this without them. Like we, (laughs) we really can't, and we can't do it without you helping them. So (laughs) we love you. Yeah, that's a big deal. I know. I know it's weird. I know it's a weird thing because it for us it's like remember there is sort of this transactional side, but as business people, it connects very easily for me. Of like, yeah, if we do work, but nobody buys it, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. And for the hotties who have really been the deep cuts hotties a la 2020 joining us, you know, like the ebbs and flows of being able to keep up with our businesses, keep our spouses somewhat satisfied with (laughs) our relationship status Mm -hmm. and like not lose our minds. It's a, the struggle is in all capitals real, like legit. So it makes a big difference. It's not just a, oh, help us out. It's a, we are, we spend a lot of time and energy to find sponsors that we know are really important and valuable to designers and that we trust and believe in. That, I mean, yeah. we were approached by people who were like, we will literally just put any ad in your show. Just give us your airtime and you might get like a Bojangles chicken like commercial. <laughs> like, we just don't want that. We don't want the like, generic ad space. We really want to work with vendors that we think are important and suppliers that we think are important to us and valuable. So and thank you hotties our, for supporting them. Our filter is always, is this helpful to our listeners? So thank you for supporting them, rating and reviewing our podcast where you're listening definitely helps us get more ears Mm-hmm. And uh, giving us feedback. We love when you're in our DMs. We just got an amazing email this morning that like I literally burst into tears. You Amy. <laughs> Thank you. Like it was really sweet. It's just um, it's a lot. It's <laughs> like when you do work, it's like if your kids never say thank you, and then when they do, you just like shatter into a million pieces. <laughs> like especially if it's like the moment you needed to hear it, you know? So 
Yeah. I know we're like, you, if you are out there just kind of feeling lost and dazed and confused, you're not alone. We, see we you. all have our moments. So, we affirm you. Like, mm-hmm. we know you're there. We know that there's ups and downs in this. And we're happy that we can be someone you identify with or hear what we're going through and know that there are there's not always an easy pathway out. And sometimes that's just enough to know, like, I'm on the right path. Like, there's no magic solution that nobody told me about. And that's why we do this. So, yeah, a couple other fun things going on in the Patreon. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar, Patreon is a monthly subscription to support content creators. And in exchange, our Patreon specifically... We have a little bonus. We've been doing these behind the scenes episodes where we're kind of getting a little more personal about actual things <laughs> happening in our it's, business. It's the real, real. That's of, the real, 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 real. <laughs> the real, 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 real. <laughs> <laughs> because, yes, I'm not going to talk about the exact client. I'm not naming names be professional anywhere. Professional publicly. Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I just, I've, we've realized more and more as, what what did we look at? Now there are twenty almost twenty four thousand unique listeners of the show over all time. So not necessarily all at once, but like that's a lot of ears on content, and that is hard to imagine. Everyone hearing all the intimate details of projects and that stuff. So Patreon's where we're putting some of those conversations where we really need to be more vulnerable as designers. We're putting it behind the scenes. Yeah. And we also do every month our hottie hangouts, which we've had a few now, and they're so fun. We've had such a great crew of people. We learn from everyone coming into them. This is not like us doing our dissertation from our we're not, pulpit. We're not teaching like a lecture or no. anything. It's more just like this is a topic that we know is important and we want to have a chance to talk real time with other designers about it. And I've been leaving with notes of what other designers are doing. Yeah. I'm like, I could easily put that in my process. Like, why, why not? Like, why? Sometimes it just takes hearing it to go, wait, why did it take so long for the light bulb to come on for me and realize that this was that easy? Yeah. And of course, like, you guys are all business owners. We know you're all smart doing cool things that we haven't thought of yet either. So, This month in July, our next one, we are talking about buying vintage and antiques and just a little bit, hopefully, digging into process, like how people do that and how they handle it differently. We may have a special guest. I would love some... I'm hoping to gain from that some buyer beware or before you go into it, like gird your loins type of stuff. Like There's a whole bunch that goes with that, and I know... And And client communication and positioning and stuff. Right. And then if you missed out on the June hottie hangout, that was around nurturing clients through the buying cycle and being able to think about how we can just like speak to the clients, no matter what phase of a process they're in from just discovering their needs to not even knowing the need for working with a designer or why they should. So we talked through some different ideas and strategies. Like like your past clients are also part of your, yeah, (laughs) or refer and or refer. 
Yeah. So we have some fun ideas. Like I think we have one coming up about like holiday gifts. Like we just want to like bring a lot of ideas to the table because all the things we struggle with. So please join. We would love to have you. Yeah. And if you've missed past ones, you can always listen to the recordings. When you join on the Patreon, you can go back and listen to the past exclusive episodes or the recordings of the Hottie Hangouts. So you won't be live in real time to ask questions, but you can still get the value out of everything everybody else asked and what we talked about. So thank you for supporting our loyal Hottie tier. Yeah. Okay. So shall we get into this juicy topic? Okay. But one more thing. Oh. If we're, if we're going to Las Vegas oh. Market in July. <gasps> Shoot. I'm sorry. And we're going to be on Sunday, July 30th. So this will be like most, I think a lot of people kick off their market on the Sunday. But Sunday afternoon, stay tuned. We'll post as we get closer on our Instagram. So you'll know exactly like where to show up, what time, everything. But Sunday afternoon, we'll be at a panel with a number of other podcast hosts. And Rick from Design Biz Survival Guide is going to be there. Luann Nigera is going to be there. Our own little queen. design community celebrity queen. It's going to be fantastic. We're really stoked to be a part of it. We would love to have your support to fill the room because part of part of my inner saboteur is like, they're all going to laugh at you or <laughs> no one's going to be there. And I just don't want to see a, like most of the room empty. I want to feel like we packed the palace, you know? Well, yeah. <laughs> now I'm now but you honestly, just planted if, like, that eight in my head. People showed up; it'd be great too. I'm so sorry. Well, like <laughs> we're throwing saboteur. a party and nobody's coming. But it's, yeah, it's like my twelve twelve year birthday basement party, and it's like that m- scene in thirteen. All the going balloons on 30. are like <laughs> stuck to the walls, and <laughs> no one's there. And we have pizza for, we have seven giant pizzas and it's just oh. me and my one best friend. Like, <laughs> and your twin brother, at least you have a twin. <laughs> that was, so that was always the thing growing up. I always knew that like, between my brother and I, we were like built in buddies. We were, it was going to be no problem for us to like always have someone to play with or who would be at a party that you knew. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, between all of us who are on the panel, I'm sure we'll help fill the room, but we'd love to see hotties. We're planning on not booking up time right after so we can actually, you know, like talk with you guys that if you come to Vegas market, we're we're not planning on running off right when the panel completes. So we would love to see you and spend a couple minutes talking with you guys before, you know, we move on to the rest of market. And we're trying to have little merch treats too. So we'll be talking about it more. We'll talk about more of it on IG. So hopefully you're following us there. And so if you are coming, fly in Sunday morning or Saturday and come see Join us. us. Please. We'd love to see you. On with the show. On with the show. Let's do it. Okay. So I feel like in every Facebook group we're in, this is like topic number one. It's become a four-letter word for designers, yeah. even though it's not a four-letter four word. Or <laughs> <Four> seven. Yeah. <laughs> the seven-letter word everyone hates, shopped. Shopped, shopped, shopped. So clients of a certain ilk love to shop us. 
And I mean, this was something I really struggled with too. And I, I mean, the title is how we stopped getting shopped. Of course it still kind of will happen, but I think I've gotten way better at doing the work up front to make it clear and not in like, you don't have to be mean. You just have to educate and vet. Yeah. People don't know what they don't know. And I think there's also the fear if, I don't know if it's just me, but like, I think a lot of it comes from clients who haven't worked with a designer before who don't under, or maybe they've worked with a designer who didn't do purchasing or buying or whatever. Like, I think they don't understand how it works. And so when they're unsure, they feel like it's their job to fill in the gap when they're like, Oh, I don't know about that sofa. And then they think, oh, I'll just go be the problem solver and I'll go find it. And they're not used to working with a service provider whose job is literally to do that. Yeah. So some of that, I think, is the weeding out up front. Like those types of clients I've gotten better at spotting. And there's nothing wrong with them as people. It's like I'm probably that person. But I'm not a great fit for a full-service designer. So figuring that out up front and maybe you offer a different solution, that's a win-win. Like That's why Sean and I do designer on calls or consultation only or design only. Mm -hmm. That gives them the chance to work with us, but limits our interaction and expectations are pretty clear. Yeah, it's because I don't... I feel like you don't always see all the signs up front. Like, I wish there was, like, a universal red flag detector. There's just, like, not. But pretty quickly, I start to pick up on now. I don't know if you... This is, like, one of those questions I started asking people during my discovery calls is, tell me exactly what you're expecting a designer to do for you. Or what are you... like? Mm -hmm what do you imagine the interior designer is going to do for you? And people fill in the gap. Like the right people who fill in my gap for that are the people who are like, we just need someone to help get us from like the ideas all the way to the finish line. And I'm like, Oh, great. You're describing concept to completion. Everything. I love that. That's what I want to hear is like, we want you to, we want someone to get us all the way through. But the people who respond with like a, I just, I, we need help making sense of everything, or I just don't know if all the stuff goes together. They're not yeah, describing I feel like full service. The ter- the use of the word "just" is my trigger. <laughs> so it's like a minimizing- trauma response. <laughs> well, but it's like it minimizes my side of the street, yeah, and prioritizes what they just they- want me to do. Yeah, 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 and it's that's to me like okay, you're. You're a designer on call. You're a consultation. And it's and because I created a solution for them, I don't have any animosity or annoyance. Resentment. No. Because yeah. it's it is what it is. So and it's not like bestie time or anything. It's I'm helping you, and- but you still get to do the stuff they like to do, which is go deep on Pinterest, look for sales, possibly find find a unicorn (laughs) and i've described that to people so i think that's so that's like first the first step of like not getting shopped anymore is like this whole let's vet let's weed out but then i describe to people i'm like i know it 
looks easy to do all of this, but like, just so you know, like, here are some examples of what goes wrong. Like, you think you know what you're going to pick. And in full service, I will be there to help solve all the stuff that goes on. But in these more client-driven ones where they're in the driver's seat, I tell them, I'm like, I know you think it just sounds like procurement and ordering is what I do, but like, that's the smallest part. That's the like, that's just the fastest way to describe it. But there's so much more that goes involved in this and all the returns and the back and forth and the damages. And I think once they really understand that, then they can at least make a, an educated decision on, well, what what am I really looking for and what do I want? And I find that with shopping, I don't, I don't feel like anyone's ever shopped the exact thing I've presented. Like I've never presented a bar stool and then they're like, I found it cheaper here. What they've done is like find for me, they've went and gone and said like, well, we wanted something cheaper or we wanted something different. And then they go find a different one. They're like, would this one work? And I'm like, no. And here's why. And usually it's a no, here's why. Because I'm like, what you found was a counter stool and you need a bar stool and it's cheaper because it's smaller. And... (laughs) And like, or the dimensions are wrong and here's why, or I know the vendor who makes this and it's going to last you about two to three years based on the way you use your stuff. And so generally I would say it comes from an absence of value. Like they don't understand. They don't, I, I either miss something they wanted or there was an overriding factor that they were looking for that I didn't like what I presented didn't have for them. But some people, I consider that still being shopped in a sense because whatever I gave to them wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't the thing they wanted to click yes and pay the proposal for. And to me, that feels the same as being shopped of like, I found it $50 cheaper over here. Like, they still went. Yeah, I had somebody shop me for the exact same items. I might have said this on here before, but she didn't believe that it was not available. And she found it, so it was a four hands pea or it was dining chairs. And I had the dates of when it was coming in, and then but she found it on Burke Decor or something, and it said it was available. I'm like, mm, okay, well, go ahead. Like, it? I mean, I'm directly with the manufacturer. I've never had them really be that off. And she ordered it, and then sure enough, Burke Decor hadn't updated their database, so. I think really talking about it up front, like our procurement guide, soft pitch, available in our shop, (laughs) talks, it really does a lot of the work to explain the business model. You can customize it to however your actual business model works. But I think like that page, like how designers make money and that explanation it's so clear and it's, I don't know, it's like a way for us all to make this a clear exchange and no one's trying to, you know, pull one over on someone. Yeah, like I'm not trying to make you feel as a cu- as a customer, as a buyer, as a potential client. I'm not trying to get one over on you. Yeah. 
or and I'm I feel just like making whole- choices based on money. Yeah, like I I pick the che- I pick this stool because it gives me my highest profit margin. It's like usually no. Like I don't I don't have the time to search around for like what will give me the widest margin. I'm usually working the other way, which is what generally fits into the budget of the project and the aesthetic and the feel of the project. And then for me, great if my margin is wider on one versus another. Like, hopefully, I've narrowed most of my brands to where I feel like I can make money. But there's still plenty where I feel like I don't make as wide of a margin, but it's still the right decision for a project. I think it's like this idea of we've developed preferred vendors, and there's a variety of factors of what makes them preferred. Yes, mm-hmm. I make a margin on, I have profit built into it, but also, they're not going to screw us over if something goes wrong or when something goes wrong. I know there is a way to remedy. I know the quality of the pieces because I've visited them in their showrooms. I've sat in them. I can mm-hmm. vouch. So if you're just trying to buy something random on Wayfair, like I would never stand behind anything that I just know nothing about. I mean, it would have to be really cheap for me to... <laughs> Well, it's like, like just it would, use it once and throw it away. It'd have to, sure. Yeah, it'd have to be junk stuff where I'm just like, it'll work in a pinch. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it might pinch you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm at on that is like, eh, if you're just looking for junk to put on a shelf, sure. I mean, have that. Go ahead. <laughs> like, Yeah, or there's a place better. for like kind of low end poly rugs. Like there's a place for those in some projects. And you let um, people know like, yeah. hey. So I feel like th- that is the part of it that's made it easier. And the procurement, that procurement guide has made me have fewer awkward conversations, but it also underscores the need, like why there's the need for the minimum and like mm-hmm. what's different about it. And I think because that's out there before they're even like locked in, there has been this understanding of like. So you're- Talking about minimum purchasing spend. Yeah, like, there's sort of that idea. Like, I haven't had anyone yet where they were like, oh, well, have we hit, have we hit the minimum yet? Can we give up and go do the rest on our own? Like, no, there, no one's like tracking it. They're just like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do this. And this is what it is. And it's a reasonable space we want to be in. And then, okay, like. That's also like, why go shop if we're going to still end up having to come back anyway? And I've had a few clients where I was in in meetings or calls with the spouses with both of them and the like one or the other would come back and go, isn't this what we're paying Sean for? And it's usually and I'm I'm, (laughs) I don't want to play into a stereotype, but it's usually the wife would go off and she's like, what about this light fixture? And usually the husband's like, I don't like this light fixture. Isn't this what we're paying Sean for? And then it comes back to me and I'm like, show me if, if you have a concern about the one I showed the dining room chandelier, I showed you bring me back, bring it back to me. Like if you finding something else helps you say, I'm looking at a style that's more like this because I respond to it. Let's have that aesthetic conversation or let's have a budget conversation. But if it's literally you're in love with another fixture, then we need to figure that out. Like. If I still have a chance, let me know if I can still come back at bat and try again. But if you're telling me it's this light fixture because I'm in love with it, then let 
let's figure out if I need to make it work. Yeah. And I, I think having this clear procurement guide and the minimum spend together, when that's happened, it's more of like, I feel like they're giving it to me. Like, please suck. Can I have this? Like they're, (laughs) you know, like I get to, I really love this. Can it please work in the room? And you're like, yeah, I don't hate it. It's not offensive. It's just a energetic shift and kind of like a power shift, which is a trust thing. Like, not like I'm going to overrule their opinions in their own home, but I can, we can now have a conversation of like, yeah, I think that could work, but it's a little small or tell me what's out. Yeah. Like you're saying, tell me exactly what you like. I see that you're kind of wanting something maybe more industrial. So that's a good note. Let me see what I can do. Sometimes I just ignore their suggestion, but find go pull another option. Similar. Yeah. Because if they're like just trying to buy something from rejuvenation or something, I still want to help them meet their minimum. Yes. But by while giving them a good option. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know. People are distractible too. Like, don't you feel? Yeah. It's a, <laughs> like they're going to chase like the a, rabbits. And it's, so the rabbit chasers, I'm going back to vetting on that. Like you've got to try to suss that out. And I've had clients tell me that, that's their like their personality style or whatever. Yeah. And they're never going to be happy until they see every single option and then mm-hmm. come back to the first one. I mean, my mom's like that. Like, hi mom, if you're listening, she hopefully would admit it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's like true. Like you like when we would go shopping for a prom dress for me or whatever like we would have to go to every store try on every option even if we liked something at the first store we can't get that one because you just gotta know that there's a better one out there yeah 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 and then maybe we'll come back to the first one i'm i mean i will admit i've inherited some of it but you just need to know that the person's like that in the beginning and again that might not be a good fit (laughs) for a full service person i have had a few clients tell me that and and they admit that it's a problem. Like they they know it's an issue. It comes up with their spouse and they'll say it. And I said, okay, so I'm not going to spend my time and energy presenting 41,000 light fixtures to you. I'm I'm going to bring you the ones that I think are the closest to shape, scale, size, dimension, like everything we need, all the aesthetics. Like I'm going to bring you my curated list of them. If you tell me you're just not going to sleep at night unless you go look at them, that's fine. But don't send me a Pinterest board or a shared file with a million of them. Like, that's not going to work. That's not useful. And I've had a few who said, no, I know that's just, I'm going to do it anyway, because I just, that's my like outlet for things. And I probably will still pick what you pick. It's called anxiety. And I can't fix all of their problems. (laughs) Like, I'm not... I am not trained enough for that. And so there's no I think Xanax dispenser in your conference. Room? I wish I, I wish I could have them take some before they come to the meeting. Like I'm sending a courier with an envelope. <laughs> Pretty sure it's going to violate several federal laws if I do that. But it's the point is slightly, felonious. some people just have to do it. They cannot, right. they cannot not do it. 
And I've learned to not take offense to it anymore because I don't feel like that's my, that's not my place. It does me no good to get upset, offended, or take it personally anymore. And I do know that it's hard to say that. It's probably easier from this side of the fence than it is when you're like a new, fresh designer and it starts happening to you. It hurts. It feels like, did I not do my job right? And over the years, I've learned that's usually not the case. It's not me. It's them. You just have to... If you if it comes up later in a project and you couldn't screen it out, you have to have something, a way to stop it or right. give them a safe place to go do that and yep. like make it an open conversation. Like, I understand you're going to feel more comfortable if you can go search every corner and under every mm-hmm. rock. But again, yeah, I don't want all the options. Send me your top two or three when yeah. you're done. And we'll, I'll find the best solution from there. I've a hundred percent because it's just, <sighs> I think until I learned to stand in that power of like, I've already told you how my business operates and makes money now. So like I've done what I'm supposed to do and being forthright with you as a customer, I've shared with you my process. You signed a contract with a minimum in it. Like we all set the ground for this and you agreed to it. And so the hard part, I think that, especially when I read on a lot of the threads, is that a lot of designers do not feel comfortable standing in that. And they're just like, oh, well, now they're just going to go buy everything somewhere else and I'm going to lose all my money. And it's like, okay, but did we have the conversation that they're violating? Like, we don't have to go full out to the arsenal, but like, do they understand they're violating the terms of an agreement if you set an agreement? Like maybe they don't, maybe that's not the case. Maybe you thought you had an agreement, but you really didn't. It's really hard to to like enforce it if you've never been transparent about what they agreed to. If you it was just like a suggestion that they buy stuff through you, how do you come back later? It's like almost impossible. So my minimum expenditure and my proposal. I showed this in our first Patreon hangout, I think, right? In the what hottie hangout? Looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just very clear. Like the not the like number is fifty six point font or something. <laughs> it's like it's huge. Like, <laughs> you have to this is the minimum and you will probably end up spending more than that, but this is the lowest end that we can go. Like Yeah. And then there's like a clear, like three clear sections of this is the design fee and this is what it stands for. This is the minimum furniture expenditure. And then project management is additional and it explains it all. Yeah. Cause it's complex. Like if it's kind of a lot of parts. It's a little but- convoluted to work with a designer. I get it. But you got to just explain it. So then they're just fine. I think it actually makes people feel more safe that they're like, okay, well, the check is written. So like, it's almost like, I mean, it would be great if this was true. It was actually true. They wrote us (laughs) the blank check or the check of the expenditure. Yeah. And that's like the retainer and it's spent. So it's really like up to us all to decide how it gets divvied up. Yeah. The hard part is like the parting with the big amounts of money part. So once that's already been emotionally done, it's that much easier to physically part with it. And And not to not be like, oh, I can get this for a hundred dollars cheaper. Like who cares? Yeah. It it's that whole like the buy-in. Like they're either in it or they're not. 
Yeah. And they trust you. I, I don't know. I don't I try not to be look, I'm here to I'm here to make money, obviously, but I'm also here to like get the jobs done and get paid for stuff and like keep myself going. And yeah, I'd love to have more projects out there where they trusted 100% of the vision and financially invested in it 100%. But the reality is, is not every client is doing that for me. And I know for so many other designers, that's not they're not doing that. But even if I get a big win on most of the stuff in a project, I feel like I'm winning still. And I feel like every project, I move the needle a little bit further and a little bit further. And so it's also incremental, right? Like. It is. And I think it's, it's just, yeah, it's getting that buy-in, I think is a good term early on. Another tool that we use, I'm like just pushing the shop right now, budget calculator. (laughs) I use that budget calculator in a lot of different parts of the process. And if someone's just really wishy-washy and just doesn't know if they can do this, or how much they want to spend. I said it before there's a even a consultation sometimes. Because I've I had that on a discovery call recently where I sent it was just was that this week? <laughs> this week's a blur, y'all. <laughs> it might have been last week, but it might have been this week. But I'm like, okay, we're talking some weird numbers here. And they're like, well, we just don't know where we're at yet. I'm like, okay, well, fair. I'm going to send this to you after the call. You can take a look at it just to get some ideas flowing. So when you do book your consultation, you can already have started this. And I was like, because when you tell me you don't know what you're going to spend, I don't know if that means the sky is the limit and and I can I can present you anything or there really is a number you just don't know what it is yet. And I can I can help you get to what is an appropriate place if you start giving me something. And that's where the budget guide, the budget calculator helps because I don't need to know exactly, but you got to give me what ballpark am I aiming at here? Like, yeah, I'm in that right now with a client, and it's <laughs> kind of like the husband versus the wife. And then it's like a little bit of this like negotiation game, I think, because he doesn't want to give a number that I'm going to <laughs> trample over. Yeah, like um, double it. Which, you know, it's. I respect people's budgets, but sometimes decisions get made or things get added on or whatever. You can't give them three fully furnished rooms for 25 grand. I'm sorry. Not with the quality they're talking about. Like they're going to have to give you a real number. So that's what I think the calculator really helps because like that client specifically has a whole house really that they need to work on, Mm -hmm. but it's a big ass house. So even though like maybe they've, technically have the money they don't want to part with it all in one go so go on vacation and get a tesla too so yeah let's <laughs> in a condo that's that's what i'm saying about so the people who have finish. the money they want to spend it on other stuff too so i'm like really like leaning into when people have like a lot of rooms then they need to touch then it's like okay let's complete one or two like maybe we'll switch out a couple light fixtures and other spaces but you're not going to feel that sense of comfort and accomplishment until one space is a hundred percent done. So look at the budget calculator. This is what things cost. They can quickly compute and kind of see how things add up. hundred percent. Cause they can just like click, click, click. I mean, it probably takes them five minutes 
and then we can just start like got to start somewhere yeah i it's just the world is weird right now where people are still realizing how much stuff things are and so the closer we can bring them to reality the better i worked with a design only client who kind of was in that same vein where i presented the design plan for them for this living room project and they had a lot of priorities and i told them from the beginning i was like that that will not work i'm like i just let me give you some quick rundown numbers right now back of the napkin and show you how that money disappears so fast and they were like okay we understand like it it took them to run through the numbers to realize how quickly it all really just adds up where it goes what it gets spent on between cabinetry, lighting, upholstery. And I'd much rather have a client who's realistic about what they can get done than the person who just refuses to keep writing any more checks because they just don't want to come to terms with it. Yeah, and then um, nothing's done. and Or they just want to keep cheapening the quality level of the whole, everything. And I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, my 30% markup on 10 grand is not great compared to 30% of 70 grand like i need to be making more volume not doing the same amount of peddling and only getting 2 or 3000 dollars from it and i think that's what happens is in the beginning people might have a bigger pot of money mm-hmm. and then there could be all kinds of stuff that happens unforeseen damage to the roof whatever yeah loss of a job, different things can happen. So that's why it's like agree up front because then it's, you don't get the rug pulled out from under you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think in the past, I especially have definitely been like so hopeful and wishful thinking about what this project's going to be. And then just changes but we didn't have an agreement about what like i never told them that i was expecting them to buy furniture for me i just kind of hoped and then they went off and did their own thing so that's the part that really needs to stop happening and it's not their fault like in that case it's not their fault they have no idea and there that's i think that's where when i was talking about earlier like their expectation is one thing when they're imagining that you're just going to give them general look and feel, and then they're going to go to Pottery Barn or West Elm or whatever and just shop shop till they drop somewhere, if they, they think that's even, what's going to happen, they want to do that. They're, they're excited. Helping. They might oh God, even think yeah. they're helping. Like, oh, let me take this off your to-do list. Yeah, like, Rebecca's so busy. Know. She's doing so much else for us. It's like, please, We bought the stop. sectional. <laughs> we, yeah. we bought a sectional instead at Restoration, so you don't have to worry about it. So now it's done. You can do everything else around it and it'll be so much faster now. And you're like, no, it actually will make it worse now. But thank you. Like, they don't know what they don't know. They really don't. Unless you tell them. So, And can I just, again, if you can't stand in it and own it as the designer and have the power to even just say what they're doing that's not aligned with your practices, there's no point in saying it. Like, if you're not going to try to enforce the rule, I'm trying to imagine it like children, which I don't (laughs) have any in fairness, but I can imagine that if at some point the rules don't have consequences, it's very hard to enforce the rules of like, 
I'm sorry, no screens at the dining table. And if there are no consequences for that, like losing screen time because they violate the rule, eventually you have this rebellious child on your hands who doesn't follow anything you say. And I think like adding to that, if you never actually set the rule, then it's almost like a manipulation on your part. Like you're now changing the game that no one knew was being played. They didn't know they're playing yeah, Ultra Rules that's Monopoly. That's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair to them to be mad no. later because they didn't get you didn't get the sofa sale because they didn't know that you wanted it. This is so much like personal relationships because I'm hearing stuff my therapist would say like in your relationship with your significant other stuff of like if they don't know that's what makes you happy and helps you feel safe or comfortable because you've never vocalized that to them then how are they supposed to provide that to you and have you not be resentful of them because they're not doing it? Like, you have to speak up? Yeah, there could be some therapy happening in my household. And that is, that's like one of the things is, well, I hinted at it. Great. Uh, I am really dense. I did not catch the hint. So, But I don't... I don't necessarily think you're dense too, but don't you think it's sometimes there's so many, it's like being in a baseball stadium during a game and there's so yeah, many I'm voices distracted. coming at you. Like, how are you supposed to hear the one person whispering in the corner of the stadium, <laughs> the trash can's on there fire are, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, what am I supposed to? How am I supposed to help them? And I think it's the same with clients. It's totally of, true. Just because ha- you're simmering doesn't mean that anyone's picking up on that. No. And I don't know. I So I hear, I just want other Clear designers. is kind. Clear is kind. Yeah, I want designers to know. Like, I hear you. I know it's frustrating. I know it's disappointing. I know that at, at some phase of a project, we all put all of our hopes and dreams on this pro- on our on these little projects and big projects and we go you better solve all my problems and <laughs> we, I, I know get that a portfolio photos yeah yeah it. yeah they're not even going to let me take pictures and it's like they were never going to let you do that like Fuckers. it it takes it takes that time and we're all going to have ups and downs but i do feel like over time you realize I'm not putting up with that anymore. That next client is going to get all the disclosure, all the information. They're going to agree to everything. They're going to do it. And then guess what? Someone's going to push back on that rule and tell me they went out and bought $40,000 worth of furniture over the weekend. And I'm going to let them know that they violated the terms of my contract. And then we're going to... hope you kept the have, receipt, bitch. Yeah. And then we're, then we're going to have to talk about that also, right? Like we're going to have to talk about if you're like episode 92 with Kate Lester, then you're going to be coming back to them and saying, hi, I'm so sorry, but you <laughs> contractually yes. agreed to spend that this much with me. And guess what? If you're Kate Lester, her contract says you owe her 20% of the minimum buy budget as like a fine or a penalty or a fee, basically. So if it was like a minimum 100 grand buy-in and you just decided not to buy it with her, you have to write her a check for 20 grand and she doesn't have to buy you anything. Like Which it makes sense because she wouldn't have taken that project on. Like it doesn't meet her minimums to keep her business going. So yeah, she's a, it means she the has same for a life us. to provide for. And you don't have a to have a 20-person team to step into that power and say, 
I'm sorry, but like, I would not be doing your project if I knew you were going to walk away with all of this revenue and go put it into Pottery Barn or wherever. So if you're scared to do it and like use your words, which I will admit, like, I'm not always the most confrontational, (laughs) happy person. Like, I don't like doing it either. That's why I put a ton of stuff in documentation and automation and it kind of like like make sure you like make sure you read this i need your signature that you did read it and it takes the it pressure a off lot of it mm-hmm. and if they did decide not to read it then it's still on them because you required it <laughs> so yeah. they have an option no one forced them to sign it you weren't holding a knife to their throat like yeah and put it in 50 point font that it needs to be really obvious. Like, click here, sign here, initial this, like, make it really obvious and it forces people to slow down instead of just scroll to the bottom, sign. Because that's what we do with, like, our terms and conditions for Apple or whatever. Like, uh, whatever, whatever, yeah, scroll to the bottom, shit. click the box. Like, But with our work, it does make it easier. M- the number of times you mention it, like, mentioning it, in your investment guide, mentioning it on the discovery call, mentioning it at the consult, putting it in the proposal. Like it needs to be consistent. We've talked about this just separately of realizing how many reminders and announcements it takes for stuff to really sink in as we're realizing even just communicating meetings, communicating with patrons on, on our loyal hotties. Like, oh yeah, we all have like a million things coming at us at once. So we need three, four or five reminders or notes or or just reference things to keep everybody on the same page. And, and clients even, are the same way. And I've even said, I rely on it. Like, <laughs> I will see something come in like, oh, that's interesting. I'll wait till their follow up until I'll I do wait, something. Yeah, I'll wait until it is immediately happening. They're going to remind me. That event is going to have a reminder come out. So I'll wait till then. Which Why? okay, I don't recommend you do that, but we but we I do. I need the it's ten minutes before the phone call alert on my phone because I will inevitably get lost in my thoughts one day and I'm like, oh shoot, like I completely forgot about that. I need to find a quiet place for this phone call right now. Like it happens all the time. Clients are gonna have that same thing happen. Kids, dogs, school schedules daycare schedules, life in general, like, yep. So the, the more reinforcement, the better. I think that's my, my, yeah, it's helpful. It's helpful for them. I don't think you'll ever, I don't know if it'll ever like stop shopping, but I think it makes it that much easier to have the conversation to where now I've had even some really productive conversations with clients where they're like, I'm not saying it's this, but can you find something that's like this other exactly. one? And so like they're that's still I mean. looking like, for me to do the job, but they're like the power shift happens because they know that they gave up the ownership of this piece of it. Yeah. And also the positive reinforcement, it there is that sort of mind game of client relationships where you want to re- like reinforce. Did I have I've had talk I'm sure I've talked about this. The skill of ignore which is like mm. when people are doing things you don't I'm want them to do skilled. for just attention or just because they want they want like the drama of it all or things you ignore it you like you do not respond to it at all because you don't want it to continue 
and then it forces them to assess if they should be taking this through another channel. And that we we talked about this even in adult learning principles when I worked at the bank. We were dealing with mid to senior leaders and talking about the skill of ignore because some people are just petty and you would ignore behaviors. And the same thing happens in client relationships where you're like, I don't want them to do this. So the first thing is like, let's do the gentle redirect. And if this is not appropriate for them to be sending me 14 links with light fixtures, I'm going to ignore it for a little bit. Let's see what comes of it. And then if they press it again, then I need to be ready to address it and put them in the redirect. Like, I see that you're doing this. Remember, this is our process and this is what we agreed to. Are you on board with that? Like getting them back on board again. Are are we all agreed we're going to follow this? And then they have one more chance to say whether they're going to be compliant or not. And it does feel like, it can feel childish. But you can do it in a way that doesn't feel condescending to clients. Yeah, like, yeah. So I feel like our designers can do it. It's just finding that voice. And many of us probably haven't haven't had to do that in other roles or other jobs or other parts of our lives. Like it's if you've never had to do it before with people, it can feel a little bit awkward. So that's okay. The good news is it gets easier the more that you do it. Definitely does. And just the more you feel, you just need to feel confident. And like, again, like me writing down my process and my expectations and the clear proposal writing, it just makes me feel confident because they saw this. So, Mm -hmm. and I agreed to take their project. So you guys got this. We all got this. Shopping's not going to go away, so we just have to hold the line. Yeah. It's going to be, honestly, it does get so much better. Like, I look back even on just a few years ago, and every time I've made sure to set the process up right, it reinforces to me why I should keep doing it that way. There's tools that can help you do that. Practice practice will make it much better. The more Every client get a little bit better, but don't lose hope. Don't, don't let, like, it doesn't have to be that way for every project. And you don't have to just give up all of your, like, revenue generating possibilities just because someone pushed it. Like, they're trying, they're trying. Clients, most of them are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. We like a rule follower. Yeah. Most people are. Not everyone's a supervillain. We like, you know. Also, people like, people like boundaries. I don't. Maybe me as a boundary setter believes. <laughs> yeah. I think people, people like, like boundaries. An alpha. People like limits and they like people telling them what to do. And what was it where it was just talking about how if you're the person who, when people ask you what you want to do for dinner and people are like, oh, I don't know, whatever you want. Like there, there was a study. God, I wish I had stats here, but it was like, it was talking about how you're actually less likable as a person if you are that person because you're now putting the emotional weight of decision-making on everyone else. And so now you're seen as a burden. And I back honestly... Back to therapy. Yeah. I backed back to this whole thing. I think that's what it's like with clients is they don't want... If they say, what do you think of this inspiration room? And you're like, I don't know. What do you think of it? <laughs> like... <laughs> They want you to tell them what you like or dislike about it. Like, 
they want to know your opinion. They want to know the pros and cons. They want to hear why or why not. They don't want to hear redirection back to you. <laughs> like, they really I don't care do whatever need, you like. Yeah, like, they are coming to you to get an opinion. And I'm not saying be divisive or be, you know, problematic. But I've just found that people respond so much better when I take a stance where I'm like, mm, I don't really like that. Or my first gut instinct is to say no. And they're like, oh, why? I'm like, something's not right. And they're like, yeah, something isn't right. I'm like, see, then why are you testing me? Just tell me. But they need someone to like reflect their feelings, you know? Or they just don't trust their opinions. I mean, I I love a client that doesn't trust their <laughs> aesthetic opinions. I would, pre- yeah, I would prefer to be deferred to in the process. Like, I don't need deference necessarily. Like, I don't need to feel like the patriarch of the of the environment. But I would like there to be the let's let Sean weigh in first. Let's get my opinions first, and then That's that makes why they the whole hired us. That makes the shopping of it all so much better because they're like, I see your idea, but let's take it back to Sean, and then you're back in the position of power. So. We can do it. We got it, y'all. We got this. Stop the shop shop. At shop shop. Stop the shop. Stop the shop. That's the episode name. Stop the shop. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Where's that deference I was talking about? (laughs) Okay. So until next time. Stay hot, designers. Thanks for listening to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. For more on what we talked about today, check out the show notes. Your support helps us grow, so share with your design besties. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Our conversations continue on Instagram. And be sure to download our monthly resources on our website and our Patreon. 